have you seen the Jersey Devil? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where'd you see him? Well, I was in Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where in Jersey? Just waiting for a bus. <laughs> gotcha. I was driving by. He was waiting for a bus. Okay. Because I'm... I have a car. Um, he probably can't go to the DMV. Probably not. He, uh, he certainly can't afford a car loan. Yeah. No, neither can I, and they gave me one. So, <laughs> I don't think that's the problem. Have you seen this guy, though? Is I don't think his... I don't think physically he's built to drive. I think he, yeah. can, he can perch up on one of those bus seats, but he would be real <laughs> uncomfortable in most uh, commercial vehicles. Yeah, I think him trying to get the gas pedals and the steering wheel and all that would have been quite a situation. He's, yeah, he would have, his legs are like twice as long as his arms, so I think it would be a real problem for him to drive. Yeah, probably. So that's why he's waiting for the bus. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I just drove right by him. I didn't stop. That's probably a good idea. Yeah. You've you've picked up hitchhikers before, haven't you? Oh, yes, I have. Uh, but he wasn't hitchhiking. He was waiting for the bus. No, I understand that. I was just thinking about you passing the Jersey Devil at the bus stop, and the next thing on my mind was you hitchhiking. Yeah. Or picking up hitchhikers, rather. Yeah, I picked up a couple. One of them was like just like an insane woman. Oh, yeah? Yeah. She was... Uh, I didn't even want to pick her up. Actually, it was my friend who was with me. I was like, let's stop and talk to her. And then she ended up in the car. <laughs> um, was there was there a, a step skipped there somewhere? <laughs> I, I don't quite remember the thing, but she got in and started talking about, like, there was a home invasion and they raped her husband. And now she needed uh, the greasy stuff to uh, fix some cut she like thrust her arm with this big gross cut <laughs> in between me and uh my friend and i was like okay I was like, we're gonna take you up to kmart and we'll get you some stuff and i was just trying to get her out of the car at the kmart right the, the woman started asking for money and my friend's like oh there's the bank right over there um and i'm like why are you volunteering <laughs> me to give her money right and it wasn't my bank so i could only take out twenty dollars <laughs> so I had to pay, in the end I had to pay her twenty dollars so as to uh, kind of get her out of the car is basically what happened. Uh, that situation might be worse than if you had picked up the Jersey Devil. Yeah, I think so. The Jersey Devil probably had a destination in mind at least. But, I imagine he wouldn't be trying to get twenty bucks off of you. I don't know. He might. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Was your other uh, hitchhiker situation any better? Yeah, that one was less... He just needed uh, to get back to his truck. He just had some gas he had to get. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was cool. He, uh, he was at a junkyard and he ran out of gas or something. Oh, okay. I didn't quite under... I didn't want to listen to his story. I just wanted to get from point A to point B. That's understandable. So about a 50-50 success rate on but, picking up people off the side of the road. Yeah, I would say that... At the end of the day, it's probably not worth the uh, risk. Yeah, but uh, John Waters hitchhikes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could just, what if I was picking him up? That would probably be fine. Uh, yeah, I just don't imagine you're going to recognize most of the people that you pick up. Yeah, well, there's, a stranger's just a friend you haven't met. I, I guess that's true. Yeah. 
Uh, well, on that note, uh, welcome once again to the Raincoat Report. This is Boss here with Jeremy. Hello. Uh, this is, of course, our hitchhiking podcast. Yeah. Where we talk about cryptids and hitchhiking. Yeah, my two passions. <laughs> we are here this week to talk about a film, mm-hmm. uh, an adult cinema film, as we often do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today we are talking about... The film Sorority Sweethearts, directed by Paul Vitelli, uh, from 1983. Yeah, we're going back to college. We are going back to college. Did you go to college? Uh, I took two or three semesters of community college. Yeah. So, sort of. I didn't, like, live on campus or join a sorority. No, well, they wouldn't let you in a sorority. Uh, Probably not. Yeah. You're what they used to call a duff. A uh, duff? Yeah, the designated ugly fat friend. Oh. So they wouldn't have let you in their sorority. <laughs> shit. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, mm. shit. Yeah, if you'd stayed at college, you would have gotten invited to like the pig party. Or oh, whatever. No. I don't know if they have those. I didn't. I was in college for a very long time, and I didn't go to a single party. Oh. Um, but now I don't make any money. <laughs> you went to college for a very short time, and you make quite a bit of money. Uh, yeah. How do we square that? Um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, we can leave all the criticisms of America's higher education system aside, because those don't factor into this film at all. Um, I think that it's an important part of this film, really. Oh, yeah? No. Oh, good. <laughs> so I didn't get any of that, so I'm glad... Uh, yeah, this film is a bit uh, light on depth, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there's there's some good stuff going on in it. Uh, we've, of course, uh, we got some names here. Dearest to our heart is probably uh, Lisa DeLeo, who oh, is Jean yeah. uh, in here, the sorority mother. Yeah, back. It's been a while since we've had her, I think, really since the first episode. I don't think she's really been anything we've covered, has she? Like even in like a bit part, I can't really think of anything. I guess not. I'm trying to think, I could have swore she was in one along the way, but off the top of my head, not catching it. Perhaps not. Well, that's a shame. Well, it's good to have her back on the show. Uh, and to give a little tease, she'll be on our next episode as well. So oh, yeah, double Lisa. You tease you. <laughs> you learn anything from pretty peaches too uh, i guess not that's right i'm not supposed to be a tease and you're supposed to give me a kiss <laughs> come here uh okay that's fine you can just talk about the episode the show uh <clears throat> we covered college what about is there anything pertinent to this film that you discovered uh, Lisa DeLeo's in it. Oh, yeah. Herschel Savage is in it. Briefly. Briefly. Yes. Uh, we've got our three leading ladies, uh, Bridget Monet, yeah. Linda Shaw, mm-hmm. and uh, Angel Burgeon. Is Linda Shaw, is this her first movie? Uh, let me see what IMDb tells me. I think IMDb said yes. I think I was looking at the reviews. And there are a lot of very positive reviews for this one. Uh, no. Excellent. (laughs) 
No, uh, her first films were in 81, and she's got some in 82 as well. Okay, so definitely not her first one. Okay. But, you know, this is, uh, she has a great part in this film as Sugar. Yes. Um, Some other names, including Mike Horner as Jack, credited as Don Hart. Okay. But anyhow, yeah, that's this film. Um... There's not a whole lot of background. Uh, this was shot apparently back-to-back with Paul Vitelli's uh, other release around this time, I Like to Watch, which yeah. uh, Vinegar Syndrome released uh, this and I Like to Watch as a double feature uh, sure. earlier here in 2020. Paul Vitelli is an interesting story in the sense that uh, he had a somewhat brief career... Mm-hmm. He released his first uh, film as a director in 1981, mm-hmm. uh, and his last release was in 87 because he unfortunately passed away in 86 due to complications of AIDS, the age of 33. Kind of an interesting story. It's a sad story. Uh, I mean, things can oh. be both sad and interesting. It's sadder than it is interesting. It's both, I guess. Yeah. Um, but this is a film that I would say is high on style um, and light in story. Uh, we do have a framework here, and we'll cover that along the way. But uh, anything else you want to say about Sorority Sweethearts before we dive in? No, let's just get into it. All right, let's just get into it. Hang on for just a moment. We'll be right back. Bobby Joe. Yes, Charlene. Your daddy called while you were taking a shower. He said to tell you that he'll be using your country hideaway. Looks like you'll be staying here all weekend. Oh, yes. Bobby Joe, the rest of us are going to Ashtown, but if my memory serves me right, you didn't sign up. Tut, tut, Bobby Joe. <laughs> Ladies. What well, if this was our uh, mascot? I mean, I like him a lot. Yeah. I'd like to know more about him. Yeah, I'm going to write about him. I'm going to start focusing on this guy, not the show. This gonna... guy's where the money is. <laughs> is it going to be your uh, your Slenderman type internet fiction? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I was thinking like a religious thing, but that would probably make more money. Uh, why not both? Oh, yeah. You're so wise. I'm sure you could get like, I'm sure you could get like OAN or Newsmax to uh, start promoting him if you gave him enough money and got enough kooks on the internet excited about it. Please don't badmouth our audience. <laughs> All right, are we recording this? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, cool. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's going to be fun to put back together, because no one can see this guy. Uh, anyhow. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back to the Raincoat Report. Uh, once again, we're here to talk about sorority sweethearts this week. Um, so let's not delay any longer or talk about any more... Uh, let's talk about pornography. Let's talk about the reason people are here. Uh, okay. People are here for... People... Smut. People are here for sorority sweethearts this week. 
And let me tell you, these sorority sweethearts know what they're doing. Yes, they do. (laughs) All right, so the film opens and we see uh, the sorority sweethearts title card on the screen as a girl's jogging towards the camera. Look at the sorority sweethearts theme song, too. Yeah, we do. We get this uh, rocking 80s pop song, uh, Sorority Sweethearts. I do kind of like this era of porn because it does seem like there are more theme songs for the movies yeah for sure uh um, especially like these uh kind of like comedies yeah yeah all like all the bob chin movies basically right uh, um, some good shit the girl jogging towards the camera is bobby joe right yes that's bobby yeah. joe and she's running late for karate class <laughs> Was it karate class she's running? I don't know. That's how she's dressed up. Oh, okay. (laughs) She's got like a white linen, like, gi and like a red headband wrapped about. Right. So I just was like, oh, yeah, karate. She stops to tie her shoe on a bench and then uh, heads into the sorority house where she is greeted by Jean, the house mother, played by Lisa DeLeo of Dixie Ray Hollywood star fame. She uh, tells Bobby Joe to go upstairs and wake up the other girls, which would be Cindy and Sugar. We cut to see Cindy in bed asleep. Uh, And then we cut from her to see Sugar in bed. She is blowing a dude. Yeah, she's not asleep. Yeah, she's not asleep. She woke up nice and early to get started on her daily fucking. Yeah. So from there, I believe it's Bobby Joe gets into the bath? No, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's Cindy that's in the bath. Yeah, Cindy is in the bath. Cindy is in the bath, guys. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Sugar keeps at her blowjob. The guy she's blowing, his dick curves up a lot. Yes, That's, uh, that's Mark Wallace. Oh, yes. It's Jim. Got it. We get a bunch of cuts back and forth between Cindy in the bath fondling herself and Sugar blowing Jim. Uh, Sugar tells Jim to open his legs so she can suck his balls. She does. It's the ball sucking we all love to see. Beautiful ball suckers. Beautiful ball suckers of our greatest generation. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Jim notes that he wants to wake up like this every morning, which is uh, a reasonable thought to have. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, But Cindy, meanwhile, is just rubbing away at herself in the bathtub. Jim goes down on Sugar. Sugar rides Jim reverse cowgirl. Mm -hmm. Then eventually Cindy gets done masturbating and she's making her bed. Bobby Joe shows up. Bobby Joe's happy to see Cindy awake, she says. Uh, she knows she was supposed to make sure her and Sugar were up. Yes. And Cindy notes that she can always rely on her alarm clock, um, making a gesture alluding to yeah. the fact that Sugar is having loud sex in the other room. Yeah, she's really, uh, she's slut-shaming her a lot, but the reason becomes clear later. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so you didn't really... You didn't spend much time at college, just uh, maybe like a year and a half, it sounds like. But you did live in a house with like eight other people at one point? Yes. Yes. Uh, So do you have any like 
roommate sex stories to share? Uh, yes. Actually, I was just thinking about this the other day, and it's something mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up. Uh-huh. So, there are uh, a lot of stories. Uh, when I first moved into that house, uh, I was not having sex. Right. Uh, and so I got to hear a lot of other people having sex and it, it varied from amusement to, uh, frustration. Yes. Especially depending on whether or not I was trying to sleep at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that, that was the key reason that I would be frustrated to be clear. Right. Uh, because I get really cranky if I'm trying to sleep and can't. That makes sense. Um, but... Two of our roommates were a couple, and they shared the room right next to mine. Right. And I remember when we first moved in, they would uh, regularly have loud sex next door. And uh, one thing that I remember clearly is that I likened the sounds that were coming out of that bedroom to somebody stirring a bowl of macaroni and cheese. (laughs) Like, so they weren't just, like, moaning loudly. The sex itself was very, uh... Yes, in a way that was... In a way that was, uh... Unexpected. Yeah. (laughs) Like the churning of a large wooden spoon. I feel like their door was always cracked. Well, that's just... Like, maybe the door wasn't shutting right or something. Uh, it wasn't, like, open. Right. But I feel like that was one of the reasons that it... the sounds to escape. Right. Well, I feel like I probably wouldn't have heard the uh, the moist sounds yes. uh, if the door was shut all the way. But I don't know. My memory of that isn't very clear. That was like 13 years ago or yeah. 14 years ago, something it's, like that. It's been a lifetime. Uh, but there was that. One of my friends lived below me, and I would sometimes hear them have sex, but... <laughs> The fourth bedroom, uh, which was below me and uh, to the side, so kind of diagonal <laughs> in a 3D space right. uh, from my room, was my friend Mike. <laughs> and uh, he would often have loud sex, but he would have these really long sex sessions. Yeah. Like, he always had sex for an hour plus. It's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, that's pretty cool. And I've had, like, sex sessions that lasted, like, 90 minutes and more. Yeah, yeah. But, like, those are very uh, rare, yeah. I would say. But, like, he, I guess he had, like, just ultimate stamina. And, know. you know, that's pretty cool. That's good for Mike. But it, it just leads to, like, hearing sex for long periods of time, which is kind of weird. Also... Uh, one amusing thing about Mike having sex is when he climaxes, he laughs. <laughs> so you would just hear him downstairs going. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty funny. And we always knew what that was. <laughs> no. Is there anyone above you in the attic having sex? Uh, no, I think that the mole people that lived in the attic, the bird people. Oh, yeah. We'll say they're bird people. I feel like the mole people lived under the basement. Yeah. The floor below that. But the bird people lived in the attic. Above you, yeah. And they were pretty quiet. They were mostly quiet. That's good. Uh, I do remember specifically one time when I was living there, me and my girlfriend had sex, and it was kind of loud. 
And then when I walked out, there were like five people in the living room who all applauded me afterwards. <laughs> and that was pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty nice. What a world you lived in. Uh, meanwhile, back in the movie, the first semblance of a plot appears. Oh, yes. The, the first semblance of a plot. Wanders in late for class. Uh, yes. Uh, Bobby Joe says that Sugar and her, Bobby Joe, are going to her dad's house for the weekend, and she invites Cindy to go with them. Meanwhile, Sugar's still having sex in the other room, and she tells uh, Jim, give me that hot jizz, uh, and he pulls out and uh, comes on her belly. Gives her the hot jizz. Yeah, gives her the hot jizz that she so requested. We could always rely on Jim for his hot jizz. Gross. So we see Sugar, Cindy, and Bobby Joe come down the steps, and they're stopped by Jean. Uh, and they start talking to her, but another girl comes down the steps and tells them that Bobby Joe's dad called, and he needed to use his place so they wouldn't be able to go over to his place for the weekend as they had planned. Now the girls are going to have to stay at the sorority house this weekend, so they're disappointed, but they go to class. We get a montage of people walking around the college campus. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we see Jean, again Lisa DeLeo's uh, house mother character, leaving the sorority house, meeting up with Herschel Savage, who's playing Jerry, at his car. I wasn't 100% clear what was going on. I believe that... Jerry and Jean had weekend plans. Yes. But Jerry had to cancel them because of work or something? Yes. And he's also married. Yeah. yeah. Was that was that revealed in this scene or not until later? I, it's kind of hinted at. Okay. Because he's asking if Lisa's asking him uh, if he's able to get away from her or not. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So she's pissed off at him and he leaves. Yes. We cut back to the sorority house, and Sugar notes that it's quiet as a morgue in there. Uh, Sugar and Bobby Joe are talking about going out to get drunk, but Cindy wants to stay home. They take off, uh, Sugar and Bobby Joe. But Cindy reads her book, and we get to see her imagination of a knight in shining armor riding a horse. Yeah. She's getting all hot and bothered by this horse night. Yeah. But then uh, we see Sugar wake her up. Cindy asks where Bobby Joe is, and Sugar says, In heaven by now, she met this cute guy. So Sugar and Cindy are then seen drinking some wine, lighting it's, candles. Yeah, very nice soft candle lighting in this scene. Yeah. Uh, Sugar points out that Cindy is a storybook romantic. Uh, Sugar gives her some wine. Sugar notes that Bobby Joe uh, had noticed that Cindy was depressed, and she says she's not lying. Cindy says that her storybook fantasies are her only escape. Cindy asks if Sugar can keep a secret, and then she reveals that she's a storybook virgin. Oh. She says she wants to know what it's like to have a man inside of her. Uh, she asks Sugar what it's like, and Sugar tells her that it's like heaven. Yeah. So Sugar starts kissing on Cindy. 
Cindy reluctantly kind of says that it feels good, but she knows that it shouldn't. Sugar asks her why. Um, so we cut to them making out in their panties, fondling each other's breasts. Yeah, that half glass of wine she had really did a number on her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and that and all the soft candlelight. It's um, it's a real panty dropper. Yeah, it's just it's a hazard. <laughs> <laughs> Sugar says, "Oh, Cindy, you're all wet." <laughs> Sugar has Cindy lay down, and she pulls her panties to the side and starts going down on her. After a while, Sugar sticks her finger in. Uh, Sugar says Cindy tastes good. And she says she wants to taste all of her. So she takes off Cindy's panties, and Cindy straddles her face. Cindy reaches back and starts fingering Sugar, and they start 69ing. They're having a good time. Uh, Sugar has a quaking orgasm, yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we cut to Sugar and Cindy cuddling in bed. Cindy says it's late and she needs to go back to her room, so they kiss and Cindy gets out of the bed. So we then see Bobby Joe sitting alone at the table, and uh, Sugar walks in and they talk. Sugar tells Bobby Joe that Cindy is a virgin. Sugar has an idea. Uh, she says that Cindy's a romantic with knights and stuff. She says they can't get knights, but they can have a candlelight dinner with three guys. Sugar demands that this be formal, at least jackets and ties, and gowns for the girls. So we see Cindy coming home. She announces she's home and asks if anyone's there, but the place is quiet. We see her walk into her room and she finds a gift box with a bow. It's a tape player with a card that says push play. Uh, this tape player is built like a tank. Yeah, it's... <clears throat> it real. has probably the amount of metal my car has in it. <laughs> I imagine that you could drop it off of a six-story building and it would survive easily. Yeah, but whoever it hit would not. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so she plays the tape... Uh, and it says that her gown is laid out for her, and we see a gown laid out on a bed. Yeah. Uh, but it's like some sort of like James Bond theme, and you it know, says that Mission she's on Impossible a Impossible deal. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, Mission Impossible. That's yeah. what it is. Yes. Uh, it tells her she's on a special mission, and she needs to meet downstairs at 9 p.m. And this tape will not self-destruct. Yeah. Yeah, that's the Mission Impossible thing. Yeah. You got it. So we cut downstairs and see Sugar and Jean. Jean's complaining about her weekend being ruined. Sugar says that she's sorry, and Jean explains that's what she gets for dating a married man. Yep. So Bobby Joe walks in and is surprised by Sugar cooking. Sugar says she's been cooking for years. Bobby Joe says they should have been having dinner parties for years. Um, I think that the general implication here is nobody expected anything out of Sugar but fucking. Yeah, well, I mean, look at her. (laughs) Um, So the three guys show up in suits. We've got uh, Mark, who's the guy of medium height in a light gray suit. Yes. Um, Then we have, was Jim from earlier one of them? I think so. Jim is back with Sugar, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh, who's this other guy? 
He's a real dildo. I don't know his name. His name's Real Dildo. Okay. I think it's like Andy. 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 Okay. Speaking of names, uh, I think the redhead who canceled their plans earlier. Uh huh. I think in the credits she's just listed as Good Redhead. It's like (laughs) that's like the name they gave her, like Good with an E at the end. (laughs) Oh, Uh, okay. Yeah. But these are suitors, and all three are majors in Reaganomics. (laughs) Yeah. So we get introduced to Mark. Uh, again, he's the medium height guy yeah. in the light gray suit. Yeah, played um, by uh, David Cannon. Uh, yes. Uh, Bobby Joe tells him that they have a girl for him. So they're going to try to hook up Mark and Cindy. So Mark is making small talk, sports talk, like in the most basic sports terms possible yeah. uh, with one of the other guys. And, and Mark is introduced by Bobby Joe to Cindy. Sugar comes out and tells them that dinner's served. So Bobby Joe is uh, making eyes at Andy. But really, it seems like they're all kind of at this table making eyes at each other. Yeah. There's like a little like kind of montage where like everyone's having like a good time, but there's no dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a good way to get out of writing dialogue. Right. Gene answers the phone. And tells Sugar that she's got a call from her brother, Jack. Uh, Meanwhile, Mark's trying to uh, flirt with Cindy at the table. And he asks Cindy if she believes in love at first sight. And she tells him no. (laughs) That went well. Yeah, that was probably one of the only, like, jokes that actually landed for me in the (laughs) movie. We get with Jack and Sugar. Jack is on the phone with Sugar. Jack is at the airport. He's on leave from the military, and he needs somebody to pick him up. Sugar says she's in the middle of a dinner party, but uh, Gene ends up offering to pick Jack up from the airport so that the girls can continue uh, entertaining company. Yeah. So we see them back at the table, and Sugar says it was a great meal. Uh, But she then invites Jim out for a walk. Mark invites Cindy to the living room. Uh, We then see Bobby Joe and Andy making out in another room and flirting. Jim is super tonguey with his kisses, like way too much. Yeah. He tells her to take off her clothes. Not here. Stand over there. So throughout this whole scene... Uh, Jim's giving Bobby Joe commands to do things like undress, but also giving her uh, instructions on how like to blow him and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty hot. Yeah, he's a man who knows what he wants. Uh, he's telling her slower as she's undressing, and he has her touch her nipples and then pinch them. Yeah. He starts taking his clothes off as he continues to walk her through undressing. <laughs> At the end, he tells her, Open up your pussy. Let me see it. Yeah. <laughs> he asks her if she likes to suck cock. Uh, he tells her that he's going to make her swallow every drop. Ooh. <laughs> uh, he tells her to crawl to him and then tells her to suck his cock. And she does. Yeah. Uh, he talks her through it some more. Uh, at one point, he kind of wags it back and forth in front of her. Uh, and then she finally gets... Uh, to it with her tongue yeah wait this is bobby joe and andy did i say that yes you did okay good yes 
So he lays back and calls her over and she straddles his face and he kind of goes down on her from below. He's laying down and she rides him cowgirl, reverse cowgirl, in fact. Uh, Then we cut back to Bobby Joe and Mark on the sofa. We get some shots of the knight in shining armor on the horse again. Uh, I guess as Bobby Joe's thinking about her knight in shining armor. And maybe Mark is. (laughs) Yeah, it's Mark. Mark tells her he feels like he's known her for a long time. And she says, me too. Yeah. And they have a really long metaphysical conversation about reincarnation. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He says that he wants to kiss her. And she says, why don't you? And then they start kissing. Uh, We get a smash cut from their passionate kissing to uh, uh, Bobby Joe riding Andy reverse cowgirl. Do you notice she had all her nails painted, but one of her pinkies is silver? I did not notice that. Is that her cocaine That's what I was thinking, is maybe she had that one marked out for the powder. (laughs) That would make sense. Yeah. Because it wasn't on the other hand. Other hand, all red. Right. Other, you know. That's the cocaine nail. Great. (laughs) Mark and Cindy continue making out. Mark notes that... This is very romantic. And Cindy says, it's out of a storybook. We see Bobby Joe on her back and Andy's fucking her sideways. Uh, He says, I want you to drink my cum. Uh, He lays on his back and she blows him. She says, come on, I want to taste your cum. Come for me. And then he says, suck it faster. Uh, And then he finishes mostly in her mouth, but uh, a little bit dribbles on and around her mouth. Yeah. She did swallow all of the cum. She tried. She she did. Uh, she made a good effort. I'm not going to downplay her work in this scene. <laughs> it was uh, top notch. All right. Uh, I was more being critical of the uh, dialogue than anything else. Yes. So we see Sugar and Jim. Uh, she sits on the bed and asks Jim to unzip her. Um, and she kisses Jim and kisses down his body. We then see Cindy inviting Mark back up to her room. And then we see Sugar blowing Jim again. Uh, We cut to Cindy's room and Mark is kissing her neck. We keep getting back and forth between Sugar and Jim and Cindy and Mark. Jim asks Cindy for her hands on his balls. But but Sugar, it keeps getting distracted because she's wondering to herself if Cindy is doing it yet. Mm -hmm. She keeps asking Jim these questions while Jim's just trying to get off and it's not working. Yeah, he's not hard by the end of this scene. Uh, So she can't keep it off her mind. So she's going to check (laughs) alongside Jim. Sugar is trying to look through the keyhole with Jim behind her. We see Mark sitting naked on the bed, and then Cindy walks in with her uh, panties and some thigh highs. They're making out mostly naked, and Sugar's just watching through the door, which is now cracked. Is this how you did it at the House of Wax? Um, not usually. Okay. You weren't watching him make macaroni? Uh, no. I felt really uncomfortable about that. Okay. <laughs> Let me see how the macaroni is made. Well, you never want to see how the macaroni is made. <laughs> Mark asks Cindy if she wants to make love. 
Cindy says yes, and Mark says he wants to teach her. So he guides her to slide down and blow him. Sugar's still watching, telling Jim, they're doing it. Mark is coaching Cindy through blowing him, so there's a lot of uh, instructional sex happening in this film. Yeah. Which is fun. Yeah, um, the one problem is Cindy doesn't seem to be like really going along with whatever he says. She's just kind of doing her own thing. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, she needs to be taught a lesson. <laughs> yes, that'll be our next GoFundMe. Is to teach Cindy a lesson okay. all these years later. Yeah, she's not going to know what hit her. <laughs> Sugar's still watching, and Jim tells her to turn over because he wants some too. So Sugar lays on the ground, and uh, Jim starts going down on her. While she's watching intently as Mark and Cindy are doing their thing. Uh, Mark goes down on Cindy. We cut to the airport where Jean, uh, the sorority mother, is picking up Jack, Sugar's military brother. Yeah, played by Mike Horner. Yes. Jack thanks Jean and asks her if she wants to get something to eat. Uh, she is not into that and they take off. <laughs> Back to the sorority fuck fest. Uh, Sugar says she loves it. And then she tells Jim, fuck me while I'm watching them. Uh, she starts moaning real hard as Jim starts fucking her. And she kind of <coughs> stops herself, not wanting to get caught. We see Mark start fucking Cindy. Uh, he has to stop to make the comment about it being so tight. Mm -hmm. uh, he slowly fucks her at first. Sugar's getting fucked really hard in Missionary as she kind of has her head tilted back and watching Mark and Cindy in the other room. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark's standing at the side of the bed fucking Cindy slowly but thoroughly, I would say at this point. Yeah. Um, Cindy notes that Sugar was right. It is like heaven. Mark says he's going to come uh, and I guess stops so he doesn't come because he didn't come. We see Jean with Jack walking into the kitchen after the airport pickup. Jean calls out, but nobody answers. I guess that they're all out. Uh, they have no idea of the debauchery happening upstairs, I mm, guess. No. Uh, Sugar says that she wants Jim to fuck her doggy style so she can watch. So he just hammers away on her as uh, they watch Mark and Cindy. Yeah, she's a really good friend. She really is. She's very interested in what's happening with her friend. Yeah. She wants to make sure everything's going right. Yeah. She's just concerned. And uh, horny as hell. Oh, yeah. So, Mark's fucking Cindy doggy style. Uh, Sugar demands that Jim let her suck it. And she starts blowing him again, peeking over as she's doing it to watch Cindy and Mark. The synth music in this scene is hilarious, yeah. I felt. <laughs> Sugar's blowing Jim really hard, and we see Mark pin up one of Cindy's legs uh, as he's fucking her missionary. Uh, he plows her pretty hard, and then he pulls out, and she milks his cum out onto her belly. Nice. Nice milking. Yeah, a fine milking. <laughs> Sugar makes Jim come, pulling it out of her mouth as he comes, and I'm pretty sure the cum got all over the carpet, oh, uh, yeah. and then on her a little bit. 
Uh, we don't see the carpet stain, but we know it's there, and they probably took the carpet back to Lowe's. Yeah. Gross. So we cut to the outside of the house, and then we transition back to Jean, who's making coffee for Jack. She notes that Frank, her ex, was shot down in Vietnam. She notes that they never found him. Uh, Jack asks Jean if she's going steady with anyone, and she laughs and says no. Jack asks if Jean can give him a ride back to the hotel, and she asks if that's what he wants, and he says no. She asks him, what do you want? He says you. We cut to the fire, and Jack is on top of Jean. Jean says, when you take a girl to dinner, you really take her to dinner. (laughs) So they're naked making out, and he kisses and sucks on her breasts, and uh, kisses his way down her and starts to go down on her. She notes that it's been so long. Uh, She talks him through going down on her. Uh, There's this acoustic guitar and electric piano music playing. (laughs) Uh, she notes that she may be out of practice, but she can try, and then we cut to her blowing Jack. This is in the living room, so even if the girls were gone, they could walk right in and see her blowing Sugar's brother at any moment. Yeah. Yeah, they... She's not very... a good house mom, I guess. Yeah. She should have her own quarters. She should be above this, uh, unprofessional behavior. She should. But one thing I will say is, despite her note of being out of practice, uh, Jean can suck a mean cock. Yeah. Jack, through all of this, we get his facial reactions, and I felt that he had the exact stereotype of a porno stash. (laughs) Yeah, he does. (laughs) So we see Jack sitting on the floor in front of the couch, and Jean starts riding him cowgirl, really bouncing hard on that dong. We see him fucking her missionary on the floor. Uh, The music around this time takes a weird white people reggae turn. Yeah, this film has some interesting music choices. It kind of feels like they just had maybe like access to like some library music they just chose at different times because it goes from like, yeah, white people reggae to kind of like white people jazz. Right. It's all firmly white, though. It is quite white. We got it from the White Library. Like, this is very white pop music for the theme song. Yeah. The song got a very uh, stereotypically uh, white vibe. All these fucking crackers. All these milkmen. <laughs> <laughs> Just being milked all over the place. Yeah. Jack pulls out and Jean finishes him off on her breasts and sucks his cock a little bit. Um, then we cut to the morning. The girls, Cindy, Bobby Joe, and Sugar, are leaving the house, and uh, Jean is following them, but Jerry, Herschel Savage, stops Jean. He says that they need to talk. Jean tells Jerry to stick it, and the girls laugh and take off, and we get a freeze frame, and then uh, credits with the Sorority Sweethearts theme song. Yes. And that was Sorority Sweethearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Herschel Savage did not get laid. No. That's his second appearance on the show. It's kind of like a sad sack. Yeah. So he's got that going for him. Yeah. Even, um Even in Pretty Peaches, he got laid. 
Right. But he really... He got cucked before he, he got, got laid. He got cucked before he got laid, and then he had sex through the hole of his pajama pants. Oh, yeah. So, that's all this guy wanted to, I think. Yeah, probably. I hope one day we see Herschel in a starring role. I'm pretty sure I've seen him in a starring role. We'll get around to it soon. Okay. One where he's not just a little old bitch. <laughs> I'm sure it happens. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, That was Sorority Sweethearts, and we'll be back to give our thoughts on Sorority Sweethearts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I used to be in a sorority myself. And then after my husband was killed, Frank was a Navy pilot. He was shot down over Vietnam. They never really confirmed his death, but I knew. Oh, I'm sorry. Hmm. Don't be. It was ten years ago. You, uh, going steady with anybody? You see anybody? (laughs) Well, as a matter of fact, no. That pink pen just looks like a dick. Well, that's what I keep putting in my mouth. (laughs) Are we back? Uh, yeah, we're back on the raincoat report. Yeah. Uh, to talk about sorority sweethearts. Mm-hmm. The looming debt crisis uh, over student loans. Uh, yes, both of those things. They're coming up in the next hour. Uh, yes, as we enter hour two of the Raincoat <laughs> Report. Um, but no, uh, this is where we talk about our thoughts on the film. We'll start by turning everything over to Jeremy, our resident film critic. To Thank give his thoughts on Sorority Sweethearts. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, it's good to be back on the show. Sorority Sweethearts is a competently made film. Uh, I think mostly from a stylistic standpoint. I think the cinematography and the editing on the sex scenes is great. Which is good because there's really nothing else going on in this movie. Um, except the wall-to-wall sex scenes. The barest... Uh, premise of a plot gets torpedoed within about 20 seconds of it being introduced and everyone decides to stay home and just fuck all weekend which is great right Um, the movie is more about themes like friendship and less about plot yeah uh, typical plot uh contrivances yeah i would say uh (laughs) i actually wrote something out but i've just been kind of freewheeling it here i'm doing great uh but then I lost my train of thought. Well, shit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, like I was saying, the film is mostly sex. As you you just listen to Boss just kind of talk about filthy acts for about 40 minutes straight. That's what the ladies like. Yeah. To listen to me tell them about... Reverse cowgirl. Reverse and cowgirl and... Saying dong. Uh, yeah. And it's talking about dongs. Uh, some of them have hooks on the end. Some of them do. Uh, there's a 13-inch one with a hook on the end. Do you remember who it was? No. Oh. Pete Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> it was something Perez. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you look that up. I'll finish my review. Um, the Raincoat Report, Faithful, Deserve to Know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they could probably tell us. They I mean, know more about this than we do. Yeah. Sorry. You really... Tony Perez. Tony Perez. According to Pornstar Magazine, an issue in 1983, 
The legendary porn star Tony Perez has a 13-inch cock with a hook at the end. Yeah. Like Tony Todd's hand in Candyman. Candy yeah, that's exactly. To steal your joke you made earlier. Damn it. Yeah. You interrupt my review. You steal my jokes. I've had enough. You um, want to talk about the Jersey Devil? No. I want to finish this review of this film. What about Jersey Devil on PlayStation? You're just taking everything I said before we started recording the episode and just throwing it in my face. <laughs> You're taking all my good material. Uh, <laughs> Here, hand me your uh, notebook and I'll read your review. You might have to. I can't focus. Uh, so, yeah, I would say the strong points of this film are mostly technical. Uh, story-wise, it doesn't really do anything you would expect for maybe like a sorority film made in the 80s to really do. Um, I guess as far as like the frat movies that were coming out around the same time, stuff like, uh, kind of stuff Roger Ebert really hated. Uh, yeah. I can't think of the one I watched, but he called it like the worst movie ever made. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He didn't mince any words, but I would say, you know, as long as you know what you're getting into, that it's just, uh, just a fuck film ultimately. I'd say it's a pretty well-made film of that category. But for me, who likes a little bit of plot to go along with that, not so much. Uh, Yeah. I'm going to give it a a, a strong 2.5. Okay. Yeah. I would say, you know, there's some good performances. It's nice to see uh, Lisa back doing what she does. Right. Um, I think her scene is probably the best one in the film. Mm -hmm. But also, uh, I like Linda Shaw's Sugar. She's very nice. I could kind of leave or take the two brunettes, though. Uh, okay. Angel and uh, Montgomery or whatever. the Bridget. <laughs> Bridget. Yeah, Bridget Monet. There we go. Yeah, Bob Montgomery. <laughs> I could take or leave Bob Montgomery. So, yeah, 2.5. Uh, check it out if you want to jerk off. <laughs> I think that that's, uh, that's fairly fair. Um, I would agree with you in the general sense that there's not a whole lot going on here. I thought that like as we started to get a setup at the beginning that we had everything going, they were they were gonna go to Bobby Joe's parents' uh, cabin alone and they were probably gonna have some boys over and they were gonna learn a lot about themselves and also about what they can fit inside themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, the audience was gonna go away happy, but yeah. instead their trip got canceled because I guess they couldn't secure a second location for this film <laughs> by a character who shows up just to deliver this news and then vanish. Yeah, <laughs> oh, she she really taunts them too because the everyone else in the sorority is going on some trip, but they didn't like fill out their permission slip so they don't have to go oh yeah that's right i was about to say where did everybody else go but that's right that's why they were there yeah well it it matters so little that it's easy to forget right yeah i didn't think it was going to matter when that plot point came up because they were about to go to bobby joe's parents cabin so it was just a non-issue uh but i guess it wasn't at the end of the day but yeah, instead of all of that, the better plot line that I just uh, gave up, we have them just having some boys over and then fucking. And that's basically it. 
Yeah, that's really, that's all there is to it. Um, I mean, we do get uh, Sugar and Cindy having their lesbian scene. Oh, yeah, that's uh, true. That's true. uh, Sugar and Cindy definitely have quite a bond. uh, Yeah. Because not only do they have their their lesbian experience together, we also have Cindy uh, getting railed by Mark while uh, Sugar is watching and Jim's railing her. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Sugar wants to make sure her friend is taken care of, and at the end of the day, everybody had a good time. So they did. Lisa DeLeo is great here. Uh, I would say a little underutilized, but... Yeah, definitely. You know, that's, that's just the way things are sometimes. She was great, and like you said, she probably had the best sex scene in the film. Uh, I do think that I can appreciate the dirty talk in the sex scenes here more so than most films yeah um i thought that uh bobby joe and andy had a really good sex scene together they did i would say that was probably one of the other yeah um even though i don't really care for her a whole lot as it's a person (laughs) (laughs) i found her acting skills to be even by porn standards to be pretty low you could probably just say uh, you didn't like her as an actress <laughs> rather right. than just as a person. Well, her inability to act is a flaw in her personality. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, overall, though, I was disappointed with the lack of plot line here. Uh, based on the technical skills put on display here, I think it was a very well shot film and it yeah. looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, there are some good cast members here. Maybe some are, uh, better actors or actresses than others, as you pointed out. Um, but you know, it had all the makings of something better. It just needed a better script at the end of the day. Um, all the other pieces I think were there. I think even Bridget Monet, even if she was giving poor acting, she still could have done well enough and made the film better if there was more going on. Yeah, just more to work with in general. Um, So, overall, I'm really on a fence between a 2.5 and a 3. Let's go ahead and give it a 3. I'm going to give it a 3. All right, you give it that 3. All right. So, I did it. You did Uh, it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anything else? Any final words on Sorority Sweethearts? Um. Friendship is a blessing. It sure is. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, Paul Vitelli apparently shot this back-to-back with I Like to Watch, which again is on the uh, double feature Vinegar Syndrome Mm -hmm. Blu-ray. Perhaps we'll try to watch that at some point. Uh, It seems like the internet feedback that I see is that it is better than Sorority Sweethearts. Okay. Uh, But we shall make that determination ourselves. We won't be bullied by the internet. Not anymore. Not anymore. We're striking back internet bullies. Yeah. You watch out. We're going to stop bullying for good by bullying the shit out of you. Well, I don't want to go that far. I want to bully them, but I really don't want to stop. I like bullying, so I don't think it should stop for good. Well, yeah. Against us, yes. (laughs) Against everyone in the world, no. (laughs) Pro bully. (laughs) All right, so, uh, yeah, we've taken our stand. We're pro-bully now. 
unless it's against us, then we're totally against it. Yeah, don't even try. <laughs> I'll tell my dad. <laughs> Your dad's going to call them sheep. Yeah, my dad will probably beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> What is your what is your dad's general opinion of you living at home? Uh, he seems to I don't know. He didn't really say anything about it. Okay, uh, he he's seems, not he's not like low key giving you a hard time about it. No, sometimes he's like some. Sometimes he is like because my mom's on disability and I'm not working uh, exactly at the moment. So sometimes he's like he's like someone has to work around here. Just that kind of stuff, and I'm like okay. I feel like I'll give that to him. Yeah, I'm like, that's fair. I was like, we're just living in your house like parasites. Yeah, I'd give that much to him at least. He, yeah. He deserves that. Yeah, I'm a parasite. <laughs> For sure. Uh, what kind of parasite are you most like? Uh, parasite Eve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh <laughs> All right, well, uh, thanks once again, everybody, for listening to the Raincoat Report. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Raincoat Report. Yeah. Don't go to Facebook anymore. Uh, okay. I've given up on it. Yeah. I got, I got banned again. Oh, okay. And I'm just tired of it. <laughs> Instagram, you're barely staying unbanned. Well, it's because they tried to nail me for soliciting sex, but uh, we'll talk about that next episode. Okay, we'll get into that. That's a whole thing. Um but yeah, uh, Instagram and Twitter, as of the time we're recording, it still exists, so uh, follow us there. Rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whoever you have for your podcasting needs. Uh, but give us good reviews because it helps us like show up better in the searches and all that bad yeah, stuff. Drop a, you don't have to be deep. Just drop a five-star, couple kind words. Yeah, I like this podcast, and a five-star would be just uh, peachy. Yeah, I'll write you a little form letter of what you can say <laughs> <laughs> if you need inspiration. We'll just uh, put up a website with something you can copy and paste. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever. Just give us some give us some uh, feedback and some listens. That's what we need. Yeah. If we could get more listens, then we could uh, start expanding things out. Do some more bonus content. And by more, I mean some Any, at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll let us uh, get better recording equipment. Uh, although this is kind of working out well enough. But good. We should hire. We need like a producer to like. I need to hire somebody to edit the episodes because that takes so long and it drives me insane. <laughs> I, have a, I have multiple people that I could probably ask, but I don't know how much. I don't know. I don't want to really. I don't want to pay them. Yeah, no, we're not going to pay anybody to do anything. Let's bully them point. into working for free. Oh, yeah, we are pro-bully. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to get on the internet and start bullying people into producing the show. Um, well, All right, we'll, we'll see you next week. Yeah, well, uh, Jeremy goes off to do his bullying. Uh, help us keep 42nd Street alive, and uh, don't forget your raincoat. So the